So when he says, blessed are you who are poor, which corresponds to what he teaches in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those are people who understand that they have no spiritual resources. They are poor in spirit. They are dependent on God's mercy. They are dependent on God's grace. Hello friends, welcome. Thanks so much for listening. These past couple months I've been helping preach at a new Chinese church plant in Plano, Texas, and I've just been really honored to get to share the Word of God with them. And we're preaching through the teachings of Jesus, and the senior pastor there has a list of all the teachings of Jesus, and he's divided them up in a way that he wants us to preach through them. And he texted me last week, and he said, you know, you're preaching this Sunday, here's your text. And it was Luke 6, 24-26. And that says, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. And when he was texting me and I looked up the passage that I was supposed to be preaching on, I just told the Lord, I, I was like, Lord, I, I can't preach this. I don't even know what this means. I can't do this unless you show me what this means. And immediately, uh, my understanding was opened up, and the Lord just showed me what this meant, and I texted back, yeah, I'd be, I'd be honored to get to share on this. So I thought I'd share a little bit of what I shared with the Chinese group last Sunday out of this passage in Luke chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. And of course, we know that every text has a context. And so that's important that we remember when we look at any scripture, that we look at the context of that scripture. And so the context of this is the Sermon on the Plain. And so a few verses before this, the Bible says that Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. And then he launches into the woes, uh, which I just read, which was the text that I was given to preach. But even before what I just read, uh, it says in Luke chapter 6, this, it says that he came down with them, with the disciples now, he's chosen his 12 apostles, and it says he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out of him and healed them all. And then it says, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples, and he begins to teach. And so this is the context for what is happening here. Jesus is giving the sermon on the plain, the sermon in this level place. Now, listening to this, obviously it's very close to the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 5. And so when we come to places in the Bible that are difficult to understand, like, uh, woe to you who are rich, 
for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. We should seek to try to understand the places that are difficult to understand through the passages that are not difficult to understand. So we interpret our questions through the Bible passages that we understand with great clarity. And the reason those passages are hard to understand is because virtually anyone who's listening to the sound of my voice is probably rich. Uh, You may not consider yourself rich, but compared to most of the people who are living on the world, living in the world, you are rich. If you are able to listen to a podcast, if you have a pair of earbuds, if you know, if you're living in America, basically, uh, you are rich, whether you realize it or not. And certainly, compared to the vast, vast majority of human beings who have lived on planet Earth, we live better than most kings lived in times past. So most of us living and listening to podcasts and recording podcasts and doing things like this, we're rich. Certainly everyone who was sitting in the the church where I was preaching this text on Sunday would be considered rich. Now, and most of us are also full. Almost everyone listening to this podcast is probably not hungry right now. We live, you know, we're just blessed to live in a very wealthy society where even the poorest members of our society generally have enough to eat. And unless you're fasting or dieting uh, by choice, generally uh, you are not hungry. And, uh, you know, most of us are, are pretty happy. And so when Jesus says to us, woe to you who are rich, woe to you who are full, woe to you who laugh now, um, the temptation is to just be like, well, I, I don't understand that, so I'm just going to skip it and pretend like I never heard it. But that's not what we should do when we come to scriptures that we don't understand. What we should do is dive in even deeper and say, Lord, teach me what this means. I want to be taught by you. I want to be your disciple. I want to be your apprentice. Teach me, Lord, what are you saying to me here? The theologian F.F. F. Bruce said this, any part of the Bible can only be properly explained in reference to the whole Bible. Because when we look at the context of Jesus delivering these words, he's just healed everyone who has come near to him. They've been healed of their diseases. They've been delivered of unclean spirits. This was a joyous occasion. Surely the people were just ecstatic and overflowing. I mean, imagine being in a situation where blind people are seeing and lame people are walking and sick people are being healed. I mean, just imagine the atmosphere and the environment and the excitement and the joy that people would have. And so when Jesus says, woe to you who laugh now for you shall mourn and weep, I don't think he's rebuking the people who were there who would have been overjoyed at seeing people get healed, maybe seeing a friend or a loved one get healed. Jesus is not rebuking their joy. I, I don't think Jesus is rebuking people who are are full, who aren't hungry. You know, if it were a blessing to always be hungry, then Jesus would not have multiplied the fishes and the loaves because he would have just told those people, no, we're blessed when we're hungry. Uh, we want to be hungry now so that uh, we can be full later. So Jesus is not talking about physical hunger. He's not talking about just uh, you can never rejoice, you can never laugh right now. What Jesus is talking about is what kingdom brings us our joy? What kingdom brings us our satisfaction and our fullness 
and feeds us in this life. And so it's very helpful to go to Jesus's Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So in Luke chapter 6, he says, blessed are you who are poor. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And uh, Luke 6, he said, blessed are you who hunger now. In Matthew 5, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In Luke 6, he says, blessed are you who weep now. And in Matthew chapter 5, he says, blessed are those who mourn. And so I think it's it's completely reasonable to, to say that Jesus is giving the same teaching here. Um, for many years, I've translated for a Chinese pastor named Peter Xu, and I started translating for him probably back in 2006 or seven, and we would travel and go to churches together, and um, I, I just translated for him again this month. And so he gets invited to speak at different churches all over the U.S., and it's always an honor for me when I get to go and translate for him. But I've been translating for him now for, you know, 15 years, really. And basically, at this point, I have heard all of the stories that he tells, and I have listened to all of the teachings that he gives. And so I'm so familiar with his life story and his teachings that I almost know what he's going to say before he says it. And so translating for him is a real joy for me because I just get to to do my best to communicate the things that God has deposited into him. But in my experience in translating for Peter Shu, what I have found is that he will tell the same story, but he doesn't always tell it exactly the same way every single time. He'll give the same teachings, but he doesn't exactly give them the same way every single time. And I believe that's what Jesus is doing here, that Jesus is giving a very similar teaching that Matthew records at the Sermon on the Mount, but this is the Sermon on the Plain. But the message that Jesus is bringing is still the same. The message is that if you are full in this world, if the kingdoms of this world bring you fullness, that you are in big trouble. That when you're well-fed by the kingdoms of this world, when you're rich in the kingdoms of this world, when you rejoice in the kingdoms of this world, you are cursed. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Now, the Bible teaches clearly that Jesus has delivered us from the curse of the law. We are free from every curse through the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we do not hide ourselves and take refuge in Jesus, then we are still under the curse of sin, and we are not free from the curse. And that is the point of what Jesus is teaching here. So when he says, blessed are you who are poor, which corresponds to what he teaches in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, those are people who understand that they have no spiritual resources. They are poor in spirit. They are dependent on God's mercy. They are dependent on God's grace. So what would be the opposite of being poor in spirit? Well, it would be to think that I'm rich in spirit. It would be to think that I have no spiritual needs. It would be to think that I have plenty of spiritual resources within myself. And Jesus says, woe to you who are rich. So if you think that because of the things that I have in this world, I am a 
I'm okay, I'm set, I have no needs. Jesus says, woe to you. Jesus says that we're blessed when we realize our spiritual poverty and we come to God as beggars and and we allow him to fill us and we allow him to meet our need instead of being self-sufficient. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is talking to the church in Laodicea and he says, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered and I need nothing not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So Jesus is warning this church who thinks that they're rich, but they're really poor. And he says, you need to buy gold from me refined in the fire. And so if they're poor, how, how then can they buy gold? Well, uh, Peter tells us that our faith is of greater worth than gold in 1 Peter 1.7. He says, the genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire. So our faith is the currency of heaven. When we come and we trust in God and we believe his word, that is the currency of heaven that allows us to be resourced out of God's kingdom and not out of the kingdom of self, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of our flesh, the kingdom of darkness, the the domain of darkness that would try to satisfy us apart from God. In my last podcast, I mentioned the C.S. Lewis quote that says, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. So when, when Jesus offers these woes, woe to you who are rich, it's you're, you're in a bad spot if you're allowing this world to resource you, if you're, uh, you're satisfied in the things that this world gives you. He says, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. That the, the joy that you have in this world, is that's it. Like There's not going to be any more joy for you. Psalm 1611 says that in God's presence, there is fullness of joy and eternal pleasures at his right hand. And when we're satisfied in this world, we don't come to God as we should, as the spiritual beggars that we are, so that he might fill our cup and show us the immeasurable riches of his kindness for all of the ages to come. That's what Ephesians says God is going to do for those who trust him. He's going to spend all of eternity showing us and demonstrating to us the riches of his kindness. So when we're poor, when we're not satisfied with this world, when we want to be Uh, resourced out of the kingdom of heaven, and we're not satisfied with being resourced out of the things of this world. Jesus says that we're blessed. You're blessed when you're poor. And Jesus then says, blessed are you who hunger now. Like I said before, that's that's not talking about physical hunger. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have multiplied the fishes and the loaves. Jesus wouldn't have turned the water into wine. Jesus, you know, fed the, the masses multiple times. And if it were a blessing to be hungry, Jesus wouldn't have done that. But His teaching in Matthew helps us understand his teaching in Luke, where he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That when we're hungry to be satisfied by the righteousness of God, then we're blessed. We're blessed when we have a spiritual hunger. We're blessed when we want more of Jesus's rule 
to manifest in our life. We're blessed when we want to experience more of God's presence in our life, more of his lordship in our life, more of his righteousness in our life. Remember that Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we're blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness and we want more of God's righteousness in our life. Why? Because we will be satisfied, Jesus promises in verse 21. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. That when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, God will satisfy that hunger and thirst by giving us the righteousness that is a gift that we receive by faith from the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit causes us to be reborn. He washes us with the washing of rebirth and renewal, and he makes us come alive, and God makes us into the righteousness of Christ so that we might be satisfied not with our own righteousness, but with the righteousness of Christ that God gives to us. And so Jesus warns us, woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. If we're satisfied, if we're full with our own righteousness now, and we don't think we need the righteousness of God, we think, hey, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. I don't need Jesus. I don't need his atonement. I don't need his blood that was shed for me. I don't need the sacrifice of Jesus. Uh, Hebrews says that we trample underfoot the, the Son of God, and we profane the very blood that was for our sanctification, that we treat as common that holy, holy thing that was for our sanctification when we're full. So Jesus says, when you're full now, you're going to be hungry. You're going to realize your need for righteousness. But woe to us if we're full now. Woe to us if we think that we're we're good people and we're you know, we, we, we have no hunger and thirst for righteousness because we're satiated with our own righteousness. We think, I'm actually a pretty good person. I don't actually need the mercy or the grace of God in my life. Jesus says, woe to you now, for you shall be hungry. And he says, blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And so this is corresponding to Matthew chapter 5 when he says, blessed are those who mourn. And the mourning that Jesus is talking about I believe, is the mourning of being brokenhearted over our sin, mourning our sinful state before God, that we are like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. That we should be um, broken and we should mourn our sin because Jesus says that he came to bring good news to the poor, that's us, the, the spiritually bankrupt, the spiritually poor. He has come to bind up the brokenhearted. He has come to comfort those who mourn. And so when we mourn our sinfulness, when we mourn the state of our fallenness, Jesus comforts us. Jesus says that uh, we shall laugh, that God, when God comes into our life and he forgives us, that there is a joy that comes with being reconciled to God. There's an overflowing gladness and joy and celebration that's, you know, that even the angels celebrate when one sinner repents. Paul said that you might be filled with all joy and peace in believing. And so it's not that, uh, you know, laughter is bad. It's that when we are not broken over our sin, that when we don't think that our sin is worth mourning over, that then Jesus says, woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. 
But he says, blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And again, this is in the context, you know, of people most definitely being overjoyed. Um, The Bible even describes Jesus as one who was anointed with joy above all of his brothers. So when Jesus warns us, when Jesus says, woe to you who are rich, woe to you who are well-fed now, woe to you who laugh now, he's telling us that if we are resourced out of this earth, woe to us. That our wealth, our satisfaction, our joy, if it is grounded in the kingdoms of this world, if it is grounded in this earth system, woe to us. But if it is grounded in the kingdom of God, if we are resourced out of the kingdom of God, if our spiritual poverty causes us to come to him, if our spiritual hunger for righteousness causes us to come to him, if our spiritual mourning and brokenness and weeping over our sin causes us to come to him, that then we are blessed and then we will truly be satisfied. Then we will truly rejoice. Then we will get to possess the kingdom of God. We will become heirs of the kingdom of God. And we see this uh, not only in the New Testament, we see this uh, even in the Old Testament. In Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9, it says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. In Psalm 146, verse 3, it says this, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. Proverbs 28, 26 says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. And Proverbs fourteen twelve is uh, very familiar to many people. It says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And so if we trust in ourselves, or if we put our trust in man, put our trust in princes, that's like putting your trust in a political candidate or in a political party or in a, in a nation system. If we put our trust in something outside of Jesus's kingdom, we are on a path of destruction. And Jesus says, woe to you who, who put your trust in these things. Woe to you who are satisfied in these things. Woe to you who let this world's systems fill you. Woe to you who rejoice because of your position or because of the advantages that you're able to to manipulate or to work out of this world system. If that's what you're trusting to resource your life, if that's the life source that you're depending on, woe to you. Jesus wants to resource us out of his kingdom. Jesus offers his kingdom to everyone. He He's not saying woe to you you know, I'm gonna, I hate you. I don't want you around me. No, he's, he's broken. He's here to, to offer the very best kingdom, the very best government, the government that makes heaven, heaven. The, the reason heaven is so wonderful is because God's will is done there because God reigns there. Jesus is offering that same government that runs heaven to resource us and to run our lives right now. He's offering it to every single person person. He wants to resource us out of his kingdom and to establish his reign on the earth so that we could say with the psalm, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, that everyone might enjoy the goodness of God's reign. And Jesus is saying, woe to anyone who won't receive this wonderful, wonderful kingdom, because ultimately they're going to weep. Ultimately, 
They're going to be hungry. Ultimately, everything they're depending on is going to fail. And the only consolation that that there is 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 what they've experienced in this life. I remember one time I was in a really beautiful worship service and and we just really enjoyed the presence of God. And, And the pastor stood up and he warned the people. And he said, you know what? If you're a believer here today, this is the worst uh, heaven that you're, the, like the worst experience of heaven that you're ever going to have is what we've just experienced in this room. Like this is as bad as things are going to get for you. He said, but if you're an unbeliever here today, this is the best hell that you will ever know. And that for those who trust in this world system, that the only consolation they have is this momentary fleeting joy or fulfillment or satisfaction that is had just for an instant by taking refuge and and being resourced out of the kingdoms of this world and putting your trust and your hope in your own flesh and uh, depending on yourself. But blessed are you when you renounce that dependence. And instead of a declaration of independence, you make a declaration of dependence upon God. And you make the kingdom of God your source and your life source becomes Jesus Christ himself and your participation in the life of Christ. That is the eternal life that Jesus offers. When Jesus is praying in the garden, he says, this is eternal life that they might know you and know the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. That This is eternal life, to be connected to God, to be united with Jesus Christ, and to be resourced out of his kingdom to see his righteousness established on the earth. Uh, Because God created this visible world to be the visible manifestation of his goodness. And it was man's man's rebellion that has prevented that from coming to pass. But praise God for his great mercy, even when we were rebellious, even when we were God's enemies, he still loved us and he sent his son to die for us, to reconcile us back to himself and to still allow us to participate in his beautiful, wonderful reign, not as objects of wrath, but as objects of mercy. And so that is the invitation that Jesus extends to everyone. He comes to the earth, he demonstrates what his kingdom is like, and then he offers for us to join him through the new covenant that he makes. He says, this is my kingdom. Do you want to covenant with me? Do you want to enter into this solemn agreement with me? You trust me, you let me be your king, and I qualify you, I forgive your sin, I make you righteous, and I qualify you to be a son in my house, and to live with me forever. And that is the offer that Jesus extends to us, and we would be fools not to take it. And this is the gospel message. This is the gospel that Jesus preached. We can read it in black and white, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. And so the good news of Jesus was that the kingdom of God has come near to you. God's reign is close to you. The same government that runs heaven can run your life right now. Do you want to enter into this kingdom? Do you want to be part 
of allowing me to rule over you so that my beautiful, perfect, loving reign can come into your heart, can set your heart right, can set your relationships right around you, and can empower you and enable you through the power, the indwelling power of God's Holy Spirit on the inside of you to live out of his kingdom, to live as one resourced by the kingdom of God. And this is the gospel, and this is the message of the kingdom that the world needs in this hour. The message of personal salvation is not wrong, but it is not the gospel that Jesus preached. The message of eternal life and going to heaven when you die is not wrong, but it's not complete. And the message that people need in this hour is not only to know that they are going to go to heaven when they die. The message that people need in this hour is to know that God will set your life right. Your life can be set right. That is what righteousness is. When Jesus talks about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or when Paul writes that the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, it's talking about setting things right, doing things God's way, making God's way, letting God's ways dictate what our ways are and our ways being set right according to the word of God. And this is the message that this world is desperate for in this hour. I was at a food distribution thing on Monday evening and the people who were coming were not poor. They they didn't really have material needs certainly compared to things that I've seen in other parts of the world. I mean, these people were driving cars and some of them were driving really nice cars and they were well clothed and most of them were overweight and they, they actually had plenty of food. And so, it's, but, but, you know, to try and have the opportunity to speak into people's lives, we were giving away food and we were praying for people. But in those moments and in those brief conversations of talking with people, what became so clear to me is that people did not need a um, game plan for how to get into heaven when they died. What people need, desperately, desperately need, is a game plan for right now, for how not to live a life in total brokenness and, and sin dominated by the powers of darkness. People need the reign of Jesus to manifest in their lives right now at this moment. This is the desperate, desperate need of people's hearts. And if people will allow Jesus to reign in their hearts, their afterlife, their eternity will be taken care of. Because Jesus's salvation is his reign. Jesus's salvation is his lordship. There's no separating, well, Jesus is my savior, but he's not my Lord. How would that even work? Jesus's salvation is his lordship. His salvation is his kingdom, is his rule over us. And if we think we we want to go to heaven when we die, then why on earth would we refuse the rule of heaven in our lives now? And so this emphasis that Um, so many believers have embraced on focusing on the afterlife, I I believe is really a modern phenomenon. I don't see it in the New Testament. When you look at the gospel that Jesus's first followers were preaching, when you go back and you read the book of Acts, and I did a whole podcast series on evangelism and Acts, and go back and read the book of Acts, listen to what Jesus's first followers were preaching, 
listen to that podcast series on evangelism and acts and listen to the message that they were spreading. And you'll be hard pressed to find anything about the afterlife. And so it's our responsibility as apprentices of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, as people who are seeking to follow after Jesus and see his kingdom established on the earth. Remember, that's what Jesus told us to pray for. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus didn't teach us to pray that when people die, they would go to heaven. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let everyone who's living on earth go to heaven when they die. No, what Jesus wants, the the preoccupation of Jesus that we see in the Gospels is not with the afterlife and, and trying to get people into heaven. The preoccupation we see of Jesus in the scriptures is trying to get his kingdom into the hearts of people on the earth and to let his kingdom fill the earth so that this world can be what God intended it for it to be, the visible expression of his goodness, his awesomeness, his majesty, that his love would once more rule and reign the earth. And the kingdom of God is the restoration of the love of God with the rule of God. And what happened when man chose to be autonomous was that man took dominion and separated it from love. Instead of being a loving dominion, the dominion that God gave mankind over the earth was now used to exploit the earth, was now used to exploit other people and to use other people when God always intended for dominion to be connected to love and for us to love the things that we have dominion over, to love the people around us, to stoop down below them, even as Jesus did for us, and to be a servant and to serve others, that God is this life-giving fountain of love, just giving, giving, giving. And man was created in his image, the image of God who is love, who is life-giving. And yet man tore away from that, and man sought to be independent from that. And, and that is what has brought all the brokenness and all the pain into this world. And so Jesus says, if we want to continue to live in this kingdom, uh, the kingdoms of this world, woe to us. If, if our riches are in this kingdom, woe to us. If we think that we're full now, we're going to be hungry. If we laugh now, we're going to weep. But if we are poor and we, and we seek God to resource us, God gives us his kingdom. If we hunger right now, if we're hungry to be satisfied with the righteousness of God, with the ruling of God on the earth, Jesus says we will be satisfied. And when we we weep now, when we're broken now over our own sin, Jesus brings the joy that comes with being forgiven, with being made right, with being reconciled to God. And that joy is a joy that will never be taken away from us. And that's the joy that Jesus is calling us to, is drawing us to, that his goodness is drawing us to repent, to change the way we think, to stop seeking our own autonomy and dependence, and to repent and to say, God, I long for you to be my king. I long for you to rule over me. When you rule over me, things are the way they should be. When you rule over me, I am in the world as I was created to be in the world, as a vessel connected to you, bringing your righteousness to the earth. And that is what Jesus is inviting us into. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you.
every stream that flows we hear your tenderness in every star that glows in every cell that grows it's clear your excellence god your beautiful